Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is novelist Shannon Baker. She is the author of the Kate Fox Mystery Series. Shannon is a member of the Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, Western Writers of America, International Thriller Writers, and the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. Shannon was chosen as the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers Writer of the Year for 2014 and 2017. Shannon and I will be discussing her latest novel in the Kate Fox mystery series, Dark Signal. Good morning, Shannon. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Good morning, Johnny. How are you? Doing very well. It is a pleasure to have you back on the air with me to catch up about the Kate Fox mystery series. I remember we had a wonderful introduction to her character in the debut novel, Strip Bear last August of last year. And so now I'm really looking forward to hear about Dark Signal. Dark Signal will be released on October 17, if I'm not mistaken. And it has already received wonderful, wonderful endorsements and reviews. So congratulations to that. Well, thank you. Kirk has liked it, and that's always a big one. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that uh, I, my husband likes to say that this book is, is a lot better than the first book. Uh, stripped bare, but he's really biased because uh, the murder this time takes place on the BNSF Railroad, Burlington mm-hmm. Northern Santa Fe, where he was a conductor for 42 years. He just retired a couple years ago, so he was my expert on this book. <laughs> That's wonderful. So he didn't have you write a contract, right? Like a little royalty fee here and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the good thing about us is that we share everything, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. I know it's been a year since you've been on the air with us. To all our new listeners, give us an opportunity to know you as that wonderful person that decides to write mystery series. Okay, well, that that's not hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, w- I w- uh, was born and raised around um, Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up kind of all over. My dad was was in retail, so we moved a lot. So I've always been really kind of itinerant everywhere. But I did um, spend 20 years in the Nebraska Sandhills. So I moved there as a young bride and, you know, learned all about the Sandhills, which is super, super rural. So it's like um, 0.95 people per square mile. So, um so I had to learn how to live in the Nebraska Sandhills, um, and I moved I moved away after 20 years um, because my husband of 20 years had an affair in this town of 300 people, and and it went on for like five years before I knew. So <laughs> I might be just a little bit naive, but um, but then because the Sandhills is unique and I and I loved it. Um, after a while, I got my sense of humor back, and Kate kind of came to me, and she's. She's a great character. She's strong-willed. Um, she's smart. She's savvy. She's, you know, got a lot of heart and a lot of loyalty. 
And so I, I just love writing about her. She's so much fun. Very interesting. When you were growing up, obviously you loved reading and so forth. So when did you really discover that, hey, this is what I really like. I'm really into it. Some people like watching TVs. Some people like <laughs> to do play with their dolls or play with their motos, you know, that kind of thing. And obviously you were really into reading. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, from a long line of readers, not writers, but readers, um, mm-hmm. and we moved around a lot. My, I don't know, I, you know, I, I just remember books around all the time, and I remember reading Bambi, and I remember, which which I loved so much more than the movie. Um, so that that was, that was my early thing, like, books are better than movies. Um, but I sadly did not read any of the Nancy Drew or anything. I, I was not a mystery reader at all, but mm-hmm. I, I read all kinds of things. You know, I, I was the youngest of three, so I was always picking up whatever my brother and sister laid down. So, um, yeah, I, I loved reading. I never thought I'd be a writer, but I loved reading. <laughs> what are some of the traits you admire most about your favorite authors? Um, persistence, I think. You know, there. Mm-hmm. When when you start looking at, at writers who have succeeded, hardly any of them succeeded overnight. You know, there was mm-hmm. it was lots of failure, um, and just picking up and starting over again. But as far as um, writers who have succeeded, who are doing it great, um, my my recent favorites are uh, Frederick Bachman, who writes um, mm-hmm. a man called Uvi Ube. He he just creates such such emotion in the smallest the smallest sentences and the and the mm-hmm. you know the, these images without saying you know what a great guy Uvi is who you know he just makes you feel this stuff and that's you know uh, John Green does that also in in his um, A Fault in Our Stars so mm-hmm. that's what I'm striving for to create that emotion without banging you over the head and saying Kate felt mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting about your books has been it is very engaging. All the characters are very, very engaging. To me, I mean, again, like you said, it's based on each individual who reads the book, what they can get out of it. To me, if I can get into the scene and somehow what I would coin as I can audit the lecture without having to take the test kind of thing. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun because you're in it, it engages you, it gets you going. And I think that's important for me. And of course, not knowing just when you thought this and that, and it, it just so roll over and create all this wonderful, what ifs, all the different scenarios. I think I like that very much. When you talk about being there, setting that scene, hardly anybody has been to the Nebraska Sandhills. It, it is so mm-hmm. remote and so, uh, so out there, you really have to make it a destination. It's not in the middle of anything. And right. and for me, writing about that and bringing that to life, bringing that area to people who are not likely to ever be there was really part of the whole experience. And, and I always think of the Sandhills as a complete character in mm-hmm. in the book. I know that sounds cliche, but but it is. It, you know, Things happen in the Sandhills that can't happen anywhere else. <laughs> It's the backdrop because part of the equation is the background where the story is told. Right. And it, it shapes everybody who lives there mm-hmm. or who travels mm-hmm. through there. It's, it's part of 
it, it makes it, it, at least when I lived there, it made everything more difficult because mm-hmm. you can't just run down to the the drugstore <laughs> if you have a cold, you know, or you can't. So so everything's a little bit more difficult, um, but it's also more real. I mean, everything is mm-hmm. is real. Right. You have to you're constantly dealing with what the world is bringing you in a natural way. Mm-hmm. So true. When did writing become a career for you? writing as a career is such a weird thing there's there's such a small percentage of people that actually make enough money at it to be able to call it a career (laughs) at least (laughs) at least in fiction um so uh my first when i first decided that i wanted to do it and i wanted to do it professionally Mm -hmm. um it took me a really long time so uh I was still raising a family and I was still doing, you know, living life and having to, you know, make money and, and, you know, do all these things that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't, I didn't have my first book published until I was 50 years old. So um, it was a long slog for me. Um, And, and then it, it, you know, I've, I've been really lucky. I'm traditionally published. So I've been really lucky to have a contract. The books Mm -hmm. come out just about every year. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so at this point, now I'm actually thinking in terms of career. You know, what's the next best book to write? What's the next best, you know, venue or, or way to go? And, and so, so now I'm, I'm thinking of it as a career, but I didn't earlier. Mm-hmm. It was just something I hoped I could do. And I've actually done better at it than I, than I expected to. So that's always nice. That's fantastic. What you need to do is to tell your husband, honey, in the writing world, 50 is the new 30. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. so I'm just studying out here, okay? <laughs> See, a long we... time ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, there you go. Fantastic. That's the attitude that you need to have, you see? So every time when you look at me and you look at my books and you read my just think that I'm 30 years old. Just merely <laughs> starting out. Can you imagine that? That's but isn't you know, that fantastic? <laughs> I'm I'm going to take those twenty years because in those twenty years I've experienced a lot and it's coming That's through right. in my writing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's deeper and richer than it was twenty years ago. So That's maybe. correct. <laughs> That's correct. So true. See? So you gotta take all that, see? <laughs> <laughs> is writing a way to express yourself in a way? Or is it just to live out your fantasy? In some ways, wow. Um, you know, it's it is a way to express yourself, and it's it's a way. Um, you know, your worldview gets written into there. But you, but but having said that, you have to be so so careful because um, you don't want to be teaching lessons. At least not me, because I'm I'm writing genre fiction. I'm writing. Um, mm-hmm. My main goal is to make people. Um, just escape for a little bit, go, go to some place, even if, and I'm not saying escape because their lives are so awful. I mean, everybody loves to just, you know, go someplace different and, and live a different life for an hour or two while you're reading. And that's my main goal. So, but, but yeah, your worldview gets in there and, and, and there's ways to express yourself. And, and in fiction, you get to write it from all different angles. 
So you have people mm-hmm. that don't think the way you do, and you have people that do think the way you do, and then you have a mismatch of everything. So, I, yeah, fiction is is great, it, and and fiction is how I've I've usually filter my world. So I read other people's books, and and then I think about them, and I think, yeah, that's a that's a great thought, that's a great idea, and so fiction has always been how I inform myself of the world. Do you formulate your novels by daydreaming a whole lot? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I absolutely do. I, you know, it's hard to to make the people who live with you and who love you understand that when you're mm-hmm. staring into space with this glassy look in your eyes, you're actually mm-hmm. working. Very interesting. That's terrific. How about challenges? Are there challenges in writing mysteries? Oh, good heavens, yes. I'm. I. I. Uh, I always have troubles with plots, you know, and, and so um, I just I just married the best person in the world. He's so good. So we sit in the hot tub most mornings and we drink coffee, mm-hmm. and then I and and I talk incessantly. And sometimes he listens, and sometimes you know his, his <laughs> eyes glaze over. But but then I say, you know, I need a plot point that goes here. I need I need a twist here. What mm-hmm. what thing could happen here? And he, he usually supplies me with something, and it's. Not necessarily something I'm going to use, which irritates him. <laughs> I gave you that perfect thing, but it was the perfect thing that made me think of the other perfect thing. So right, right. So, right. so my challenge is always fooling the savvy mystery reader because mystery readers read so much; it's really difficult to to fool them because they they know they know who did it. So you know you have to write a compelling characters and mm-hmm. scenery and you know relationships and things like that to keep the story going even when your really smart readers figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to how do you choose the characters for the various storylines? Kind of an organic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, I'm working on a book. I'm just finishing it now. Getting ready to send it off to um, my indie editor. Um, and it's it's really different than anything I've ever done. And it might the plot of that might be the the easiest thing that ever came to me. Although it's very it's it's very complicated, and has a lot of twists to it. Um, and I and and it's probably the book I wrote the quickest. So I started working on it in May, and it's and it's you know first of October, and it's done. It's ready to go. Um, and and I started with one idea. And it just kind of built. Well, what if I did mm-hmm. this and this and this and this? And so the characters kind of came at the same time as the plot twists that came all together with the first idea. This this book, even though it's really dark and really sad, um, it, it was the most fun that I've had writing a book because it all just came together in this really quick, um, mm-hmm. amazing thing. So I'm I'm very excited to see how it flies. Yeah, no one's read it yet, so it may have failed completely. <laughs> Are you a disciplined writer in terms of like I got to have my two hours a day or my three hours a day, five days a week and whatnot do not disturb me. I am just going to sit down and if I have to twinkle my fingers around or snap my <laughs> fingers until something comes up, I'll do that. I am very much that way especially mm-hmm. if I'm working on a draft. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll take time off between drafts or between um, projects 
you know, yeah. but not too much, you know, a week and I'm, I'm, you know, jittery and antsy. I need to write again. But when I'm working on a first draft, I absolutely do my 2000 words a day straight through. Wow. Straight through. And, and I don't stop to edit. I don't stop to do anything. I just write it straight through because, because I know I'm going to change so much of it no matter what. You know, I'm going to get better ideas. I'm going to know my characters better, and I'm going to go back and change it. And I don't want to go back and edit it then because chances are I'm going to get another great idea. So mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. make notes and, and and charge all the way through. And, yeah, I'm I'm really disciplined. And I'm I'm kind of like a barn sour horse because the, <laughs> the closer I get to the end, the more yeah. I, I go. And then the whole world just kind of has to take the back seat. So right now I'm I'm going to finish – edits on this this book today and then I'm going to look around at my house and go oh my gosh <laughs> maybe I ought to sweep the floor <laughs> <laughs> very interesting by the way you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio our podcasts are available on iTunes Stitcher Radio Blueberry Podcasting and TuneIn Radio I'm Johnny Tant your host and my guest for this morning is novelist Shannon Baker she is the author of the Kate Fox mystery series. Shannon was chosen as the Rocky Mountains Fiction Writers Writer of the Year for 2014 and 2017. Shannon and I are having a wonderful conversation about her latest novel in her Kate Fox series, Dark Signal. So Shannon, let's talk about Kate Fox series. How was the character conceived? Kate kind of came to me all at once. I knew I wanted to write about the Sandhills. Um, mm-hmm. But and I, and I wasn't ready yet, and so it was kind of out there. It was this idea, and then one day Kate just came to me, and she said, "Now it's time. It's time for you to write my story, which is very much Kate. You know, let's get to it. You know, so so Kate has no um, artifice to her. You know, she's just mm-hmm. she's just like, mm-hmm. this is this is the task that needs to get done. Let's do it. You know, don't put it off. Let's let's go do it. She's got a very Western sensibility." So um, Kate came to me and said, okay, get out of bed, let's go. And and we took off, and, and it's been a just a gallop ever since. I, I love writing Kate. Her world, it, it cracks me up. I, I laugh. Um, mm-hmm. it's so it, the characters are quirky in there. There's so many that are, that, that just, they're an amalgamation of people that I actually knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a really great time writing them. Very, very interesting. Now, of course, the background is Nebraska, Grand County, and so forth, and you mentioned about how you connect with that. It seems to me in just having this conversation now and a year ago, in the character of Kate Fox, it sounds like you're almost playing a video game with a character. You are in it. That's how I feel. I, you mean the, the things are coming at her and she has to dodge and duck? And, yeah, you know, and they, it's like, you know how they, you have a, this avatar when you play those games, you know? <laughs> and you're a Kate Fox. she's got to stay on her toes. <laughs> right, right, right. Please give us a synopsis of Dot Signal. Okay, well, I hope I'm not giving any, any spoilers away from Stripped Bear, <laughs> but when Dark Signal opens... Kate is being sworn in as sheriff, so um, she barely gets sworn in when there's a murder or there's a, a death on the BNSF railroad, not too far from town. Um, 
and and Kate is is a, is the only one that thinks it's suspicious, thinks it's an accident. So she has to start investigating. And you know, she's a woman sheriff, and there's you know the other sheriffs aren't real pleased with that. And um, so and and in the meantime, she's got six brothers and sisters, seven brothers and sisters that are that are all trying to interfere with her life and get her set up because now that, you know, she's a single woman again, they have to um, get her paired up because that's what you do in the Sandhills. So she's battling all of, all of these forces and trying to figure out who killed Chad Mills, um, the engineer on the railroad. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Again, as I said, my husband helped me with the, the logistics of it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I asked, I knew I wanted to write about the railroad because it is such a part of Western Nebraska. You know, the, that's how all those little towns were settled. Is that the steam engines came through, and about every ten miles they had to stop and take on more water. So about every ten miles a, along these, you know, rural areas are dotted with these little bitty towns, and so that from that came the cattle industry and everything else. So, so the, writing about the railroad was fun. And I, I asked my husband, how would you kill somebody on the railroad? <laughs> and the really frightening thing is that he didn't hesitate, did not bat an eye, and he gave me three or four scenarios. And one mm-hmm. of them, he actually told me all the hardware I needed to buy and how to rig it up and how to set up the whole thing. What's interesting is that for readers, brand new readers, I don't know the demographics of your readers, but this book in your style of writing and also the storyline you're telling. These are the things that we kind of take it for granted. We don't see that many trains anymore because they travel out of our sight. Right. And yeah. you know how we are today in today's world, out of sight, out of mind. So you having the opportunity to sort of create this wonderful weave of events and detail, I might add, in terms of, whether it's fall play or whatnot, but the idea is just giving this wonderful picture of the places and event and a little wonderful touch of history. I think it draws people back and wanting to, like you say, it lures you back to, hmm, this is a wonderful place and having the opportunity to kind of look at this picture as a whole and be entertained besides that sort of that sleuth kind of murder mystery kind of thing, but to be entertained by this wonderful portrait, a picture of the place. Well, the, the Sandhills themselves are this wonderful mix of old Wild West mm-hmm. and modern day. Because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, they have the devices, they have the satellites and the phones and the, you know, the whole bit. So they're, right. they're very much, you know, savvy that way. But it is the Wild West. You know, mm-hmm. in 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 the county Kate is sheriff of, which is, you know, identical to the county I grew up, I I lived in. There is only one law enforcement uh, officer in the entire mm-hmm. county, and that's Kate. That gives her a lot of leverage. I mean, she right. can do a lot, and nobody's really paying a lot of attention. You know, she's she's her own boss basically, and that's pretty right. wild west. And mm-hmm. so it's you know, I I love that that whole mix of. You know, the the as you said, the history that very much very much daily life is is similar to the way it was a hundred years ago. You know, mm-hmm. the the changing of the seasons and the working of the cattle and, and and the whole bit has to go 
in a certain order and and that's the way they do things so it's it's i I love writing about the sand hills it's a great place this year it was so funny my my ex husband's um mm-hmm. house was right mm-hmm. on the the path of totality for the eclipse oh. this year. And mm-hmm. so we've been divorced, yeah, 16 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I have, one of my dearest, dearest friends who lives in Denver is a scientist. And she said, she, you know, we were talking on the phone. She goes, who can I go? Who do you know out there that I can go stay with? And I said, mm-hmm. well, well, call my ex. You know, you guys were friends mm-hmm. before the divorce. You know, you haven't seen yeah. him for 16 years, but call him. And, of course, mm-hmm. he was very happy to have her. He said, yeah, come out. It'll be great. And so she showed yeah. up, and a bunch of people showed up, and they had this whole basic party without me there. And surprisingly, <laughs> I was not the center of attention, which, you know, really was disappointing to me. But at any rate, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the kind of friend she is. I had given her an advanced reading copy of Dark mm-hmm. Signal, and she just she took it out there with her and read it while she was there waiting for the, mm-hmm. the eclipse. And she just kept leaving it in various places all over his house. <laughs> so that's that's you know my little bit of jabbing it. So you didn't send her there to do that on purpose, right? <laughs> no, I had I had actually sent her the copy be- way before she mentioned going to the the eclipse. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. It's a beautiful caveat. To this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. You are also civil. <laughs> <laughs> what you should have done was actually just pack up your folding chair and also, and also just about 10 minutes before totality happens, you, you're out there and... Uh... <laughs> you know, I wanted to... I, I was so... Gosh, I wanted to go so bad. Um, my daughter uh-huh. was there. They had a huge party. My daughter's fiancé is a chef. And mm-hmm. so they had, you know, they brought a mixologist. They had this, I mean, seriously, for three days, they had this huge party out there and bird watched uh-huh. and, and the rodeo mm-hmm. was going on. And, um, and actually my husband and I, he, he's a pilot and we were going to fly up mm-hmm. there. We just mm-hmm. couldn't work it out because we just, oh. we had just come back from another trip the day before and I had to go on another trip the day after. So yeah, was it going to work? But wow, <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> Did your life experiences influence your story? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, I, I was an outsider in the Sandhills. I lived there 20 years, but I was always an outsider because mm-hmm. you have to have three generations into you before you're there. So mm-hmm. I saw things um, in a different way. Um, so what, what the people out there thought was just normal and everybody lives that way, I knew was unique to the area. So that that made it made me be able to write about it. And, you know, Kate, Kate's husband has an affair. And mm-hmm. so I had some experience in how that felt. At, mm-hmm. And um, Kate deals with it differently, of course, than I did. But, um, you know, so, yeah, everything, everything you do and experience in life, which is why I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't trade my 20 years for anything. It comes through in your writing. It makes it deeper and richer and, and more full because you – you you have felt emotions, maybe not exactly the same as your character, but similar. Mm-hmm. So Very yeah, everything you yeah. everything you do in life influences your writing, I think. Sure, sure. So one could fairly say that you are fairly all over the novels that you've written, sprinkled everywhere. I am, and the the villains. <laughs> I get to I get to do villains too, which is always great. 
<laughs> coming out. My my real me is coming out. They say there's a, there's a saying in the in the mystery world that mystery uh-huh. writers are the the friendliest, nicest people you'll ever meet um, mm-hmm. because they get all of their aggressions out on the page. And and they say, but you really need to be careful for children's writers. <laughs> very very interesting. Very interesting. What do you enjoy most about writing Doc Signal? You know, I loved being back in the Sandhills, and I loved um, channeling the vernacular, mm-hmm. um, the the way the way Kate thinks and speaks, and her turns of phrases. Um, I, I I think that's delightful, and and most of those, um, you know, you get a rhythm, and and I remember. Mm-hmm sitting down, you know, in the cafe and talking to ranchers and people that have been there forever and, and, and how they worded things. And um, my, my husband and I are planning, we're thinking about maybe spending June because June's so, I, I live in Tucson, it's sweltering in, in June here. We're thinking about going up and, and living in, in a friend of ours, fifth wheel mm-hmm. on the pasture at, at their ranch in the Sandhills next June, just so I can, relearn all the all the phrases and and things just to listen to it and enjoy it again very interesting how do you know if a story is complete (laughs) i think when you when i am just too sick of working on it um (laughs) you know it's never complete i can pick up a, a book that's been published and yeah. read it and, and just cringe and think, oh, why did I do that? That was not a good yeah. choice. So I don't think it's ever, you can ever be complete. I was talking to Francine Matthews, um, mm-hmm. who's, oh, I, she started writing her Nantucket series, I'm going to say in the 90s maybe. And she mm-hmm. just re-released it um, just in a year, the last year or so. And she said, you know, going back through it, she said, I can't believe how bad of a writer I was then because she, <laughs> and, and she redid them all. So, yeah. you know, you're just never, you never can be done. You just have to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true because you go back and you find that, oh my gosh, I can believe I could have write better than that. And it's a process of refinement. So that's true. How about, especially in, the case of fiction, because it is my understanding that when you write fiction, you can't really begin with the end in mind or having the, what they call it, the the beginning and the ending figured out, and then you just fill in the blanks. Whereas nonfiction, we do that basically because we know what we want to get across. We got this all pinned out and planned out and so forth. Versus fiction is something you kind of go with the flow, I guess. Is that correct? Well, um, a lot of writers do. Um, it's about it's about half and half, you know, mm-hmm, pansters mm-hmm. versus plotters. I'm a, I'm a halfway through there, so I generally know my ending. I know who did it, mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm, I can write mm-hmm. towards that. And I know, you know, the halfway point. I know my plot points when I start. Mm-hmm. They could all change. It's all up for grabs. It could change, but but I I kind of need to know that I have an ending that works. Otherwise I just panic all the way through. Um, so, so it, it isn't, I have a friend who, who says, you know, she writes, she puts the sled at the top of the hill and just mm-hmm. goes where it takes her. I'm, I'm not quite that free flowing. I, especially mm-hmm. in mystery. So I need to, 
and and that's why again I don't edit until I go all the way back or until I finish because then mm-hmm. I might need to go back and add the plots and move things around or the plot you know the the clues mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. red herrings and move move things around. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's like a giant puzzle. <laughs> you have written several novels, several mystery series. When we talk about Dark Signal itself, how did that inspiration come? forth to you in terms of the continuity from Strip Bear? Well, I wanted Kate to be growing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in Strip Bear, it's, it's called Strip Bear because everything she's loved and, and built her whole life has just been ripped out from underneath her. So she's got to start over again. So, um, and I wanted her to be sheriff. That it, the whole the mm-hmm. whole idea when I started the series, I wanted her to be sheriff, but I had to get her there first. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she's she's sheriff, and then I wanted to show her growing into that. Mm-hmm. So you know, she starts off really um, unsure, not not sure she can do this task, or even sure that she wants to do it. You know, she's kind of found herself in this this position, and and. You know, just in, in pure Kate fashion. Well, this is what I got. I'm good. I'm gonna do it. Um, <laughs> so just kind of show her growing. That's how I wanted to do it. And then again, you know, I love the idea of the railroad. So I wanted to do a railroad bit, and it needed to be in the winter. And the sandhills in the winter is really something else. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so all those mm-hmm. things kind of came together. And I started researching um, the the crimes on the railroad and, and things that go on. It's it's really kind of, I thought, I thought it was fascinating. You'd think that, that my husband would have given me all the information, but he didn't <laughs> just little bits mm-hmm. and pieces. But the, uh, the, the railroad in the United States um, is just a land bridge, basically. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's how goods get transported from one coast to the other. And a lot of times it's goods just making their way through. They aren't even going to stop. Um, you know, it's the Panama Canal right. version. You know, it's the land of the Panama Canal. So, there, mm-hmm. so the goods go from coast to coast all the time, and and there's big shipments. And um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot can go wrong. When my husband was on the railroad for a time, he worked from uh, Winslow, Arizona, to Needles, California, and that's a vast desert, just nothing out there. And and they would they would get stopped by you know banditos I don't know what you want to call them but occasionally mm-hmm. not his train never did but you know they would get stopped and, and robbed and things so and a lot of interesting things go on on the railroad. Coming back to the character of Kate Fox, the beauty of having her grow, mature, and so forth, and being a sheriff of a small town like you had mentioned earlier. That's a very powerful position because she is the law, comparatively to, say, for example, the sheriff of Tucson, Arizona. The irony of it, the sheriff of Tucson, Arizona, has to report to, quote-unquote, everybody in town. He or she is not as free as Kate Fort would have been. Yeah, and I was surprised when I started researching the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a good friend of mine is sheriff in this small town. Mm-hmm. that I lived in. And um, I said, so who do you report to? You, you need to report mm-hmm. to the commissioners or, yeah. you know, who's your boss? And he said, I don't have a boss. <laughs> I don't report to anybody. 
you know, I, I, my, my accountability is every four years during the election. Right. I don't have anyone else I report to. I thought that was really interesting. I thought right. it was also interesting in Nebraska to be elected sheriff, you don't have to have any qualifications, none at all, run. And then to, to, to make the election verifiable or, or actually mm-hmm. take, you have, to, you have 12 months to complete a 12-week training series uh, at the mm-hmm. police academy. Mm-hmm. So, so any, any Joe can be elected sheriff in the counties in Nebraska. You don't even have to have any experience. You can't carry a gun or make traffic stops until you're certified. I mean, you can't do right. anything until you're certified. But you could be elected and be sheriff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to tell her, let's move back to Nebraska, man. I'm ready <laughs> to take over the town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the wild west out there. <laughs> People are law-abiding for the most part because, right. because you have such accountability. Your neighbors know you. and They know your family right. and everybody else. So it's, right. it's you know, it is pretty safe. <laughs> so true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is novelist Shannon Baker. She's the author of the Kate Fox Mystery Series. Shannon was chosen as the Rocky Mountains Fiction Writer's Writer of the Year for 2014 and 2017. Shannon and I are having a conversation about her latest novel in her Kate Fox series, Dark Signal. And I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Kate, how do you deal with writer's block? Um, you know, my first, my first reaction is, oh, there's no writer's block. Um, but, but if I really think about it, there are days when I just, have a tough time or I don't exactly know where my story is going or um, I, I don't allow myself to have writer's block, but I'll go back and do things. If the story is not going, maybe I'll spend the day writing description because mm-hmm. I know somewhere I'm going to need that description. So I'll describe the landscape and the weather and things like that. Um, some days if I take my yellow, you know, instead of sitting at my computer, I'll take my yellow legal pad because yellow is supposed to be a creative color (laughs) and I'll just sit and write, um, and I'll write in my, my character's point of view. So from Kate's point of view, I'll say, you know, what, I don't know where Shannon's going to have me go, but I think I ought to do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm irritated with that because, you know, so if I just start, writing longhand in my character's voice not it doesn't usually take that long before my characters start telling me what needs to happen next and once i know what's going to happen next it's just a matter of getting my butt back in that chair and typing it out and then and then i do the like we we spoke earlier the discipline thing you know do not mm-hmm. yeah i can't get up until i get it done and if mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time doing it at home, I take it to a coffee shop because then I'm so self-conscious I don't want to get up. I, I think writing in a coffee shop is so pretentious that I'm I'm embarrassed that people might be looking at me and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, who does she think she is? She must think she's a real writer. <laughs> and so I just hurry and write it so I can leave and, and quit being so self-conscious. Yeah. So yeah. I play all kinds of games with myself. Very interesting. I'm really well, gullible do- that way. <laughs> Do, do people recognize you when you go out and say sit in a coffee <laughs> shop and start writing? 
No, absolutely not. Nobody recognizes me. And I live in Tucson. I have a friend in Tucson. I have my husband and I have a friend. So, you know, Uh I'm pretty anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) What you could do is that you could hire about three or four people and with all these flashes and all of a sudden you walk in and you have them start shooting all these flashes. Who is she? My entourage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the age of uh, the nowadays of social media, you got to do your own selfie, that kind of thing, and create a little buzz. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm at the point now, I'm, I'm very sheepishly handing out bookmarks. You know, uh-huh. I, I carry them. I've, I've gotten myself to the point where, where I can say, I have a bookmark. You know, people say, what do you mm-hmm. do for a living? Well, I have a bookmark. So, mm-hmm. And that's taken me years to be able to even do that. I think authors are really quiet, though. We don't like the limelight. I mean, I'm like you. I don't go out there and say, hey, world, <laughs> this is who hey, I am. I just don't. I, I, I don't feel assume. comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I would just assume nobody know who I am. As long as yeah. they buy my book and pay me money, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like for the readers to gain from reading Dark Signal? I want readers to have a good time. I want them to throw in with Kate and ride over the sand hills and and see the landscape and come out of their busy lives for a little bit and retreat to the quiet of the sand hills um, and just have fun. I, w- I want mm-hmm. them to laugh with Kate when she laughs and mm-hmm. you know have a good time. Wonderful. Where can someone go to buy your book? and get more information about you and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, it's a Macmillan release, so it should be out just about any place you want to go. If it's not in your bookstore, ask them. They'll get it. It's easy to find. And, you know, online, just about any place you want to go. But we love indies. So, you know, go to Kobo or Indie Books. Um, So that would be great. Um, My website is shannon-baker.com, and that shows... I've I've got a whole slew of travel coming up this October or this fall. So from October to mid-December, I don't have a weekend home. So (laughs) I'm living it up, living large. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So if you want to catch a selfie, you want to take a selfie with Shannon, go find out where she's going to be at in October. And I just want to mention that um, we just released a – 99 cent digital short story, Kate short story, that um, my publisher is calling the gateway drug to Kate. So for hardly any investment in money or time, you can get a taste of what Kate's all about. Uh, It's called Close Enough. Okay. That's wonderful. And where is that available? It is digital across all uh, platforms. So again, Indie, you can go Kobo. That's great. Wonderful. Wonderful. By the way, I think you need to pretty soon send a bill up to Nebraska and say, because what you want to do is that you want to measure the number of tourists that town gets. And then you say, you know, this increase is because based on Kate Fox right here. So we're talking about revenue sharing and stuff like that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Your face will be posted everywhere. Say, you see this woman? Don't let her cross the state line. (laughs) That's about right, too. (laughs) It's all in the name of publicity. That's the whole idea. (laughs) How did winning 
the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers of the Year impacted you? Um, the 2014 was was great boon to my career because mm-hmm. I was just um, getting ready to shop Kate around. I was just just starting out, and I didn't have an agent, and I think it got a little bit of interest. I think people, um, I think, read my query letter with a little bit more than than they would have otherwise. So I was I was very thankful and grateful for that. Um, for 2017, I just um, was awarded it, and the conference was two weeks ago. It was so much fun. I love being mm-hmm. queen for a day. You know, it's 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 not a huge it's not a huge pond, so I get to be a big fish. It's really great. You know, next week I'm going to BoucherCon, and I will just be the little bittiest guppy in a huge ocean. So I I take my kudos where I can get them. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, it's it's a great honor, and 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 I just, you know, I'm so thankful for Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. I, everything I've learned about fiction writing, I learned from them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really gratifying to be rewarded um, in like this. This is great. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, when you go to places where you are the little fish in the big pond, that's when you bring your entourage with a bunch of flesh. You know. <laughs> I get some dark glasses. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Then you got to stand out. You got to stand out and recruit your husband to do it. He's my bodyguard. Like, yeah. In a way. <laughs> oh, women author. <laughs> Wouldn't he love that? <laughs> he went to when we first got together. He didn't understand uh-huh. writing at all. He'd never been around uh-huh. an author. So, um, so he went to my a, a, a conference with me the first time, mm-hmm. and I. I Kind of warning. I said, "You're totally welcome, but you know, whatever." And and so we're standing outside the hospitality room, and I think uh-huh. I went to get us a, a cocktail or something, or I was talking to somebody else. And this woman walked up to him, and she mm-hmm. she just looked at him and she says, "What do you write?" And he said, "Well, I I don't. My wife writes." Well, what did you write? And he and he was just kind of you know flummoxed, <laughs> and he said, uh, "A fiction." And she says, "What genre?" And he says. <laughs> I don't know when he turned around and left. <laughs> he never went back. <laughs> he scared him to death. <laughs> you got him played the wrong role. You should have said, ma'am, can you step two feet away? You're a little bit too close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I I'll, I wasn't there, but I uh-huh. bet you she was very sweet and very nice. Oh, and actually, yeah. <laughs> the, it, it was his perception that she was grilling him because he didn't right. know how to answer. Right. right. <laughs> I'm sure but she you have to nice. have him. You should have him in a suit and dark glasses and purposely buy him an earpiece so that he stands yeah. beside you and so forth. So if this lady comes, Matt, you're a little bit too close. Can you back up a, about <laughs> yeah. a foot or so? <laughs> a, little, a little bulge under his jacket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's like a, you know, it's a couple of feet there. It, it's okay. You can take a photo, but a couple of feet away, something like that. <laughs> I'm loving that. <laughs> what is next for you? Well, let's see. So Dark Sigil comes out in October. Um, mm. I have a short story coming out in uh, an anthology uh, called Blood Business in mm. November. And that's um, half of it is straight mystery and half of it is paranormal, paranormal mystery. It's published mm-hmm. by Hex Publishers, so it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I'm finishing up this other novel. Kate number three is done. I don't have a publishing date on that yet, but... Mm-hmm. so. I'm just chugging along. How much time do you spend in terms of 
writing in the sense that you know you're putting in like an eight hour day kind of thing a full time what constitutes as writing because we talk about making it into a career now from your perspective anyway and so what are we looking at in a 24-hour day? I think, um, again, it depends on what stage I'm in. So mm-hmm. if I'm doing a first draft, um, I'm looking at maybe six hours, five, six hours a day. Um, and I've I've been doing this editing and, and about that. But then I'll take some mm-hmm. time off, you know, take, yeah. you know, a week off here and there. Um, I, I always tell my husband I, I'm working three-quarters time. Because there's also, you know, all the, you know, social media and publicity and stuff that goes on. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm doing about a three-quarter time. We we certainly make time for, uh, like this morning, as soon as I get done talking to you, we're, we're off on a bike ride. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dog needs a desert walk every day. And I love to hike. <laughs> and we love to yeah. camp and stuff. So, you know, I... Yeah. My husband's retired. I, you know, am supposedly retired. So, yeah. you know, there's a, there's life balance that I I'm really serious about putting in there. But yeah, I I, I probably work three quarter time. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for new writers to fine tune their craft? Read extensively as a writer. Um, so if you know if you if you read a book, say you know I, I mentioned a man called Uvi later or earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I read that book, I devoured it, I loved it, and I closed the the back cover and I immediately flipped it over and started reading again with an with an eye to what did he do? How did he do this? What did he do in the first page that made me buy into Uvi so completely? And and then read it through that way. How did he structure it? When when were there plot twists? At what point in the book did that come to? So whenever you find a book that you love, read it mm-hmm. as, a, as a reader and then go back and study what that writer did. Interesting. Is there a fear in terms of like once you read a lot of these other writers that you sort of somehow inevitably copy their style? Um. Uh, may, maybe, but you get yourself away from it. I always think of a voice, and this is this is something that I've come to um, mm-hmm. in my last, you know, started maybe starting with the Kate book. I always mm-hmm. think of voice as kind of like method acting. So when I sit mm-hmm. down to write Kate or this new book that I've just written, um, it takes me a moment to get to, you know, <laughs> in quotes I'm saying, to get into yeah. character because I, I have mm-hmm. to jump into her skin and think like she thinks. So when you do that, it's hard to emulate anybody else because you're in a character's, you know, their their personality and in their skin. It's a really weird thing, and it, it's probably maybe, you know, a sign of mental illness. I'm not sure. <laughs> right, 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 right. So you're saying that read as many books you can get your hands on to give you ideas, but in the end never fear that you will inevitably copy someone else's style and whatnot, because in the end, when you talk about writing characters, you're right, because that's the original you, because you created that person and you get into, for lack of a better term, you actually live in that person's life, of course, in print yeah. in this case. Yeah, and and it's weird, and it's, it's, it's 
you know, it's it's just different. I, I think mm-hmm. all writers do it in some form. They might explain it differently, but I think really mm-hmm. good writers just take on that personality while they're writing. You know, it's a, it's a real Val Kilmer type of thing. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting insight. Yeah, that's wonderful. Any last thoughts about Doc Signal? Go buy it. It's a great book. It got it's getting good <laughs> reviews and people seem to really like it. So give it a shot. By the way, I love the intrigue picture that the cover has. The one I have, of course, oh, is the uh, advanced uncorrected Just proof. Black so and it's white. Kind of, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like I was hoping, like, oh wow, I would love to get that. Nice looking one. It's like, what is this? Black and white? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, the, the story is fantastic. But the book cover, I thought, it, it speaks volume from that perspective itself. Yeah, I, I was pleased with it. I like it. Even though Kate wouldn't be wearing a red jacket, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's about spicing it up. That's all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, if she was wearing a sheriff's brown, you wouldn't even see her. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour since our show is about people, family, and living life. What would you like to share as a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? You know, this is this is what my, my late father-in-law used to always tell me, and, and I believe it 100%. He used to always say, it's a great life if you don't weaken. And that's kind of how I live. That's a wonderful story. Do you have any particular times in your life where you had to invoke that particular recipe for living to help you? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, every time you get a rejection, you know, you just mm-hmm. go, well, there you go. You know, you know, take the next step. And and definitely, Definitely during the whole, you know, my husband having an affair and me leaving him yeah. and, and divorce and rebuilding my life, it was all of that. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a, a tough two, three years to go through. And, and then, you know, it was just, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and you keep moving and eventually you come out the other end. Kate's father always says, um, mm-hmm. it'll all be okay in the end. And if it's not the okay, it's not the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The ending is always okay. If it's not okay, yeah. it's not the end yet. I love that. Right. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, that's great. When you look back in your writings for the last several years, were there moments that you thought like, wow, I could not have made it this far? And what was the great motivation in terms of you accomplishing all those? Well, um, I, I can remember very distinctly after um, my second Nora Abbott book came out, and mm-hmm. I did no no promotion on it at all. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I, I I I really don't know why something was going on. But and it just tanked. I mean, it, it, a week mm-hmm. after it released, it was you know like over a millionth on Amazon, and and right. I thought I'm a failure. And I was I was actually at Left Coast Crime. And and I thought I'm a I'm a failure, I, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm done. This is this is I just have come as far as I'm going to come, and and that was the weekend I got word that I was nominated for Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers Writer of the Year that mm-hmm. that exact same weekend, and that just you know that that came at the time when it just boosted me, and I thought well if I can get this maybe I'm not washed up maybe it's my own mm-hmm perception and I need to redouble my efforts and, and I did. So 
I also had a friend, a very successful writer, that weekend who said, well, because I was I was saying, oh, I'm just, you know, this is, I've just failed. And she said, send mm-hmm. me your synopsis in the first three chapters. And that was the Kate book. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I thought she was joking. I ignored it. <laughs> the next morning I thought, no, it, she offered, you know, so I went back yeah. to her and I said, did you really mean that? And she said, oh my gosh, I thought I had, you know, was being overly pretentious to, to even offer because mm-hmm. you didn't, yeah. and uh, you know, you didn't take me up on it. And, and she read it, she redlined the synopsis right and left, and then she mm-hmm. left the pages alone. She said, this is really good. And, and so that, that, those two things coming together at that time kept me going when I was, I was ready to throw in the towel. So, you, you know, you, you, disaster is always around the corner in this business. It's right. Like, but so is success. Correct. So you That's never true. know what the next day is going to bring. Fantastic. That's true. Well, Shannon, thank you for the wonderful story and wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Thanks so much. It was a nice visit. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, October 17th. My guests will be a husband and wife team, doctors Samantha and Keith Wallace. They are authors of Gut Crisis, How Diet, Probiotics, and Friendly Bacteria Help You Lose Weight and Heal Your Body and Mind. We will be discussing practical advice based on what the ancients have known for centuries. By healing your gut through diet, lifestyle, and simple procedures, you can heal your body and mind. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. 